Welcome to The Heart Zone, featuring George Cannon. This broadcast is a time of teaching and encouragement from Kerwinsville Christian Church. For more information, we invite you to visit us on the web at www.kerwinsvillechristian.org. And now for a message from The Heart Zone. Here's George Cannon. Guys, so we are finishing up chapter one today. Remember when we started this series, the series is entitled Faith in a Hostile World, Faith in a Hostile World. I told you that what threatens your faith is not necessarily what's outside of the church. Remember, I told you that it's not the political thing or the cultural shift or any of that, because a lot of times if you listen to Christian radio, you would think that those things are threatening your faith. Well, actually, the threat to our faith is actually within the church. For instance, we've looked, especially with chapter 1, that the greatest threat to your faith is the ignorance of your own salvation, the ignorance of what Christ has done for you, and understanding that and grasping that. The second thing is the influence of false teachers who are in the church. You might be surprised. False teachers are not outside the church. It's not the Jehovah Witnesses or the Mormons. But they're within the church. And that's what chapter 2 talks about. We're going to get into that next week. But then the third one is misunderstanding our hope. The hope of Jesus' return. The hope that you have to get through each day. To progress on. And we've almost kind of lost that hope. And that's what chapter 3 is about. So we're going to wrap up today with chapter 1. And he's going to wrap up basically helping you to understand what it is that you believe. Because I'll just be honest with you, for a lot of us, what we believe is very abstract. It's just simply a set of beliefs. But I'll be honest with you, beliefs don't carry you very far. Do you understand? Especially when you're in the midst of the crisis. Especially when you're confronted with things. Beliefs only go so far. And I'll be honest with you, having pastored now over 20 years, I have met many people who had strong beliefs, but at some point their beliefs didn't carry them far enough, and they've left. They're gone. They're no longer a part of the church. Well, they, they believed. Yeah, they believed, but maybe their belief was not real. See, that's what we're going to talk today about. We're going to talk about that the faith we have in Christ, this is real. This is not just theology. This is not just a set of doctrine that we affirm. This is real. And it's more than just what you think it is. If you actually, after the sermon, I think you'll see what I'm trying to tell you. I'm hoping you will. So why do we need to deal with this? Well, because we have an onslaught right now of ideas that we have to deal with. An onslaught of ideas. You know, it's interesting. When I uh, was young, as a kid, I was just introduced to computers in high school as a 16-year-old. That's way back 1982. Introduced to something called an Apple. An Apple. And, and my parents bought something called an Apple II. And back then... My parents, I thought, wow, Mom, Dad, thank you for this Christmas gift because it's most of them were 64K. This was 128K. I thought we were rocking. 128K, that's an email today. But that was the memory back in this thing. But back then, 
Computers were new. They were expensive. Nobody had them. Nobody had a smartphone. Nobody, I mean, telephones were attached to your wall with a 10-foot cord that you could stretch out to your living room. Nobody had that kind of stuff. So here we are forward now, and we have something called the Internet. Everybody know what the Internet is? But with the Internet, listen to me, with the Internet, there's been this onslaught of ideas, and all of a sudden there are people who are struggling in the church because they don't know how to handle this. So here's my first point. We are told that our faith was cunningly made up. Have you seen that on the Internet? Have you heard people say that? That what we believe in today, the Bible was written by some group of manipulative monks back in 300 AD. A group of bishops got together and decided this was how we're going to control the world. That all of this is cunningly made up of, of people. I, I've kind of generalized that argument, but that's basically the point. Is that what we believe is, is just simply made up. That it can be disproven. That was the whole premise of the Da Vinci Code movie and book. Do you understand? And so people have heard this and they get on there and, and they look at this stuff that's on the internet and they're like, well, how can you answer this? And how can you answer that? And, and they're shaken. They're shaken in their beliefs and then they begin to question, well, maybe I'm deceived. Maybe I'm duped. Maybe you've met somebody like that. So we've got this onslaught of ideas. And so here's the second thing. We can find ourselves seeing our faith as simply a belief. We can find ourselves where, where what we believe, our faith, and we have to use the word believe, but what we put our trust in, what we live our lives by, it's just simply a belief, like any other kind of belief. In fact, have you noticed the beliefs change? So like few years ago we were convinced eggs were terrible to eat don't eat eggs now we're told you have to eat eggs so i'm a true believer right now until i'm told i can't then i'll be a believer again in the other way and so we have this concept of beliefs changing with more information our beliefs change isn't that what we think with more information our beliefs change and so we find ourselves and I think this is where a lot of us are at in our spiritual lives as we see ourselves drifting away from the Lord, as we see a diminished desire for Him, is that we see ourselves as simply a belief. But I'm going to here to tell you today, actually Peter is here to tell you in this word, that this is more than just a belief. This is real. This is real. And you need to grasp that. You need to understand it. You need to reach out with your mind and your heart and grasp it. What you believe, what you put your trust in, is not just a doctrinal statement or a creed from long ago. This is something that's real. So let's look together. We're going to look today specifically at verses 16 through 21 of Second Peter. Notice with me what he says. For we did not follow cunningly devised fables when we made known to you the power and the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but were eyewitnesses of his majesty. For we received from God the Father honor and glory when such a voice came to him from the excellent glory, this is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. 
And we heard this voice which came from heaven when we were with him on the holy mountain. And so we have prophetic word confirmed, which you do well to heed as a light that shines in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. Knowing this first, that no prophecy of scripture is of any private interpretation. For prophecy never came from the will of men, but holy men of God spoke as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. All right, now here's what we're going to do, folks. We're going to take these verses. I'm really going to divide them into three sections for us. Because we're going to see that what Peter is communicating is, is that what you believe in is not just some creed. This is real. And it should be real in your life. And hopefully it is. And hopefully you'll see what I'm talking about here in a moment. So here's the three sections. We're going to talk about there's more to this. We're going to talk about firsthand experience. And then we're going to talk about you can be sure. Because again, I told you, one of the greatest threats is not what's going on out there, to be honest with you, just so you're not mistaken. The greatest threat isn't the internet. The greatest threat is your lack of understanding. And we want you to have an understanding, right? All right, so let's talk about this. First of all, look with me at verse 16. There is more to this. More to this. Notice what he says, verse 16. For we did not follow cunningly devised fables when we made known to you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but were eyewitnesses of his majesty. Two things I want you to see here. First one, the gospel of Jesus Christ is not a fairy tale. This is not what some guy is saying that a bunch of monks got together and bishops got together 300 years ago to control people and put together. This is not, this is not a fairy tale. This is not some cunningly devised scheme of things. Do you understand? He's wanting you to understand that what you're putting your hope in isn't some man-made thing. Here's the second point he makes. It is the testimony of those who witnessed the reality of Jesus. Do you understand that? When you come to the New Testament, and you come especially to the Gospels, and I would say even to the book of Acts, and I would say even to the epistles, because Paul in his epistles will oftentimes talk about his interactions with Jesus. And yes, folks, Paul did interact with Jesus after the resurrection. He says that. And then when you come to Revelation, you very clearly are seeing something. This, this is the account. These are not cleverly devised books. These, these are the accounts of people who interacted with the living Jesus. And when you go to the Old Testament, you're interacting with writers who interacted with God and with the angel of the Lord who appears possibly to be Jesus. Do you understand what I'm saying? The pre-incarnate Jesus. And they were anticipating this Jesus showing up. Do you understand? You can't make this stuff up. This, these books were written over hundreds of years, but somehow they connect together. See, this is the testimony of those who witnessed the reality of Jesus. Do you understand? So what you believe is about somebody who's real. See, that's what the gospel is. The gospel is not some doctrine. The gospel is a person. Do you understand? Gospel is the Greek word meaning good news. 
I believe the good news about Jesus. What's the good news about Jesus? He's alive. He died for my sin. He offers me salvation. He's coming back. Do you, do you understand what I'm saying? So there's more to this. I think why we see so many people walking away from the faith is because, isn't that what we say here in our church? We say it's more than a worship service, but to them, it was just simply a worship service. It was just simply an activity to attend on Sunday morning. And there are other better things to do on Sunday morning now. This is about somebody who's real and who can be real in your life, who wants to be real in your life. I would even say who is real in your life, you just maybe aren't acknowledging it. There's more to this. In fact, he goes on in verse 17, look with me at verse 17, and he tells you that this is firsthand experience on his part. Look at what he says, verse 17. For he received from God the Father honor and glory when such a voice came to him from the excellent glory, this is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. And we heard this voice which came from heaven when we were with him on the holy mountain. Here's what I want you to see about firsthand experience. First of all, Peter experienced firsthand the glory of Jesus. Peter experienced firsthand the glory of Jesus. This, this account is what he's referring to here is what's known as the transfiguration of Jesus. It's mentioned in the Gospels. I would encourage you to look at Luke chapter 9, verses 28 through 36. Luke's account of the transfiguration. Peter, James, and John, they go up on the mountain. They're with Jesus. When they're on the mountain, Jesus changes in front of them into who he really is. He displays to him the glory of who he is in heaven. And at the same time, there's a cloud. The account says, and there's a voice from heaven, God the Father speaking and saying, this is my son. Now, if you and I were there, how would you have responded? The passage tells you how they reacted. They were dumbfounded. And at the same time, guess who shows up? Moses and Elijah to talk with Jesus. You think that's an experience? He's saying to you, I saw this firsthand who he really is. This isn't just some Joe. This isn't just some normal guy. I saw Jesus in all of his glory. What you have are the accounts of people who saw him in all of his glory. Do you understand that? This is not just a creed, a belief. This is more. In fact, he goes on and he basically says that this experience drove his faith in life. So let me ask you a question. What's driving your faith? Think about that for a minute. That's a serious question. What's driving your faith? Well, you know, my grandmama, when I was four years old or five years old, she presented the gospel to me. No, 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 no. Hopefully there's more driving your faith than that time with grandmama when you were four and five. Because I'll be honest with you, I can't think back to many things when I was four and five. Can you? Now, the only thing that I can remember that impacted my life is I was dumb as a four and five-year-old and stuck my hand in a, in a charcoal grill 
to see if the white coals, how they felt and burnt my hand. Now, I remember that experience. But I don't remember much else from 4 and 5. But I'll be honest with you, that's not keeping me from touching other hot things either today. See, there's got to be more to your faith. It's got to be an interaction with Jesus. So let me ask you a question. How real is Jesus to you today? And you say, oh, are you asking me something kind of weird, George? Like, is he supposed to show up in my room and talk to me? No, no, I'm not. This is not about weird. This is about you and a relationship that's real. So are you seeing God answer prayers in your life? Are you sensing his leading in your life day by day? Is he opening his word to you and speaking to you through his word? Is he bringing his word to your mind as you go about life this week? Or last week? Or any day? Is he giving you peace in the midst of the crisis? You ever had that happen? I mean, I can think of numbers of times when we were starting out first in ministry in the other church, and I would say to Lori, Lori, you can just go ahead on to bed. I'm going to pray. And I would just be confused about everything that's going on. I'd be in an upheaval. And then when I would pray, God's peace would come. And he would say, it's okay. Not in an audible voice, but he would be real. Now, he didn't take away the problem because the next day the problem was there. But he gave me enough strength to what? Go on for the next day. See, that's real. Isn't it? Does that not hold on to you more than I believe in God the Father, maker of heaven and earth, and his son Jesus Christ, and the Holy Spirit? Did, did you understand? A creed, creeds don't get you far. Did you understand? When I was a Boy Scout, I knew the oath. I don't know anything about the oath anymore. And it sure didn't guide me when I was a teenager. Just repeated it when I had to. I can't even hold my fingers right anymore. They're getting old and arthritic. Do you know what I'm saying? See, this is what the problem is with our Christianity. Our Christianity has just become a belief. It's more than a belief, folks. It's first-hand experience. Peter is saying, this is not cunningly devised. This is real. And this is driving my faith and my, my, my whole life. Is your driving your life in your faith? Is Jesus real in your life? This is what, this is why we've got to, see, the biggest threat to our faith and our walk with Christ is ourselves, isn't it? First-hand experience. So, what do we do with this? Well, look with me at verse 19 and 21. This is where you and I can stand on firm ground. We can be sure. We can be sure. Why? Look what he says in verses 19. And so we have the prophetic word confirmed. So we do well to heed as a light that shines in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts, knowing this, that no prophecy of Scripture is of any private interpretation. For the prophecy never came by the will of man, but holy men of God spoke as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. Two things I want you to see here. Number one, you need to embrace God's Word. Peter is saying, look, what I saw on that mountain only confirmed 
everything I was told in God's word, and for him it was the Old Testament, everything that he was told in the Old Testament, what we call the Old Testament, all of that law and the writings of the prophets, everything was confirmed by him being on that mountain and interacting with Jesus in all of his glory. It confirmed everything that was there. And so because of that, you better listen to what he's telling you. Isn't that true for us? God is confirming himself continually in your life by being there for you, giving you peace when you need peace, giving you wisdom, interacting, answering prayer, even convicting you. Isn't it wonderful that he convicts you when you do wrong? He lets you know that's not right. And see, all of that is confirming that I better pay attention because the things I'm seeing in here, he's confirming in my life. That's what he's saying here. You can be sure. You can hold on to this. This is not just some creedal statement. You need to embrace God's word. In fact, here's the second thing he says for you to understand how important this is in your life. Listen to me. It was delivered to you by the Holy Spirit through human writers. Yeah, these were humans that wrote it. He used their abilities, their writing abilities, their experiences, their writing styles. Yes, there is difference in the writing styles between each book. He used these men as they were driven by the Holy Spirit to write down this word for you. This isn't for some guy with a doctorate to figure out what it's saying for you and let you know. This is for you to know. Do you understand? I hope you don't just come here on Sunday to have me bring you a word. Hopefully you're getting the word throughout the week. Because you yourself are reading it and the Holy Spirit is opening it up to you. Do you understand? It was written for you. Men wrote this down for you as they were moved by the Spirit. Why? Because the Spirit knew you would need it. The Spirit knew you would need it. See, this is the thing. The greatest threat to ourselves is us. Not understanding our salvation. Not understanding our faith. And I'd say part of the reason why we're not understanding our faith anymore is because we're not reading his word. And you can be honest with yourself. You don't need to speak out loud. You can be honest with yourself and, and say, well, yeah, it's, it's been a while since I read it for myself. That's even true for me. Do you folks, do you realize I'm in the word continually throughout the week? But I have to be. What do you mean you have to be? Well, I've got to bring a message to you, right? So I've got to study what? The word. I got to put together a Sunday school lesson, but that requires me to be in what? The word, right? But am I reading the word for George? You understand? Are you reading the word for you? You say, okay, George, what do we do with this? Well, I'm going to give you two thoughts. One's a question, one's a statement. One's a question for you to wrestle with, and I want you to wrestle with this. I want you to think about it more than just right now. Think about this question. Here's the question. Would you describe your faith as real? Wow. <laughs> Don't answer that one off the bat. Because the, quote, proper response in church is, oh, yes. No, no. 
Life reveals that. Life, your life, reveals the answer to that question. So think about that. Would you describe your faith as real? Or is it just simply a, a, a set of beliefs? A credo statement that you were introduced to or a doctrine? What somebody told you? See, I, I've often told my kids this, okay? And I'm going to tell this to you. At some point, you've got to own it. It can't be mama's faith, and it can't be your daddy's faith. It can't be grandma's faith, and it can't be grandpa's faith. It's got to be your faith. And at some point, you have to own it yourself. And I would say that to you. You are here. It's not because it's George's faith or because it's somebody else's faith or your wife's faith or whatever. It's because it's your faith and you made that decision to follow it. To make it your own. But the only way you're going to know that is if you ask yourself the question, would you describe your faith as real? Here's the second thing. Faith is about a living relationship with Jesus. Folks, it's about a living relationship with Jesus. Jesus wants to have a relationship with you. Jesus wants to interact with you. Jesus wants you to interact with him. One of the deepest regrets I carry, I carry this regret. I don't mind sharing it with you because hopefully you'll learn something from it. I mean, I told you that our first church, when Lori and I lived in Canada, we, we went up to Canada, we were Americans, we went up to Canada and pastored this church. We were there for four years, and it was four years of craziness. Maybe that's just what a first church is like for all first-time first pastors. But it was just craziness and chaos and and, and, and yet, in the midst of all of that upheaval, thankfully, that has not been true in the 18 years we've been here, okay? But in the midst of all of that upheaval, I know for a fact, and I'm almost embarrassed to tell you this, I know for a fact that God was calling to me, not in some audible voice, but he was calling to me and he was saying, talk to me, George. Spend some time with me. Pray. Oh, I prayed. Did you ever, you ever prayed? It's kind of like talking. You ever talk at somebody, but you're not, oh, I engaged with them. No, you didn't. You just spent time talking at them. You ever done that? But God was saying, Engage with me. I still live with that. I still still remember that. And I think, what how could have things been different? I'm sure what I just shared, some of you can resonate with that. See, faith is about a living relationship. He's calling to you. He's calling to you. 
That's why it's more than just a belief. It's more than just a belief. I hope it is for you too. Thank you for being with us this morning. And we trust that today's message has been both challenging and an encouragement to your heart. At Kerwinsville Christian Church, a warm welcome is always extended to you. We're located at 700 State Street, Kerwinsville, Pennsylvania. For more information about our ministry, please visit us on the web at www.kerwinsvillechristian.org. Now, on behalf of George Cannon and the entire church family, we hope that you will look to the Heavenly Father in all that you face this coming week.